I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcast, and welcome to an all-new Nerd Alert. We've got a very interesting topic coming at you today. This is going to get very eclectic. This is one of those things that only nerds like us would even think about, let alone dive deep into, let alone accidentally do five pages of research on. I'm sorry. Oh. It happened. It, just, it happened. I wasn't going to. It, just, it happened. I was like, I just, I just want to write down like, you know, release dates and, oh, well, I should put down like gross and budget. Uh, maybe I should put down like uh, 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 Rotten Tomato scores. And it, it, it rabbit hole, Jay. It rabbit hole. I'm sorry. Anyway, before we get to the actual topic that I once again way over planned for, let me introduce the crew. First of all, my right hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in the top nerdy to me network. Please welcome to the bridge, Commander Scott. So I have recently jumped headfirst down a rabbit hole. I know this is unusual. We're just going to change the name of this show to Rabbit Holes. <laughs> Welcome can't... to Rabbit Holes. Here's the rabbit hole we fell down this week. I can't help myself. It's not this... just you, Scott. It's all of us. This That's is... what the show is. This is primarily something. It's the fault of one of our coworkers. Um, the doc is thoroughly unimpressed uh, by this 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 newfound development that I have. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I went down the rabbit hole of Rubik's Cubes. Boy, did you ever. I did. Can confirm. I had an original, well, the original U.S. released Rubik's Cube uh, way back when I was a kid. And, you know, like all kids and stuff, when you had one, you resorted to tearing stickers off and stuff. But here in the last few weeks, uh, I have learned how to solve a Rubik's Cube. Because I wanted to. And I've, well, I, I hold no illusions of, of being quote-unquote a speed cuber you know uh-huh. uh, i am trying to get under two minutes uh, on, a, on a solve uh it, it's very interesting and stuff but i also went down into the history a little bit of the rubik's cube because i was curious um you know the first person to ever solve a rubik's cube this should be very easy rubik john rubik rubik his name is not john it's erno uh, rubik took a, took a swing on that one the inventor of the Rubik's Cube, he invented it in 1974. Okay. Uh, he was uh, a, an, an, an architecture professor in, uh, I forget which country. Um, uh, but he, of course, he invented it because he wanted to see if he could design an object that um, 
could move, you know, it was, it was a bunch of squares or a bunch of pieces that could move independently of each other and not fall apart, basically. And he just wanted to solve it. That, that was, uh, uh, that, that, uh, he just wanted to solve the, the, um, uh, uh, the, the actual structure, the, 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 the right. challenge of building. He wanted to climb the mountain because it was there. Got it. Um, so he, he built it and everything. And, and they uh, came. He did. It's true. Um, and um, he, uh, oh, what was it? He didn't even realize he had built a puzzle until, so he, he built it and he was doing it and he decided the first time he moved it a couple of times, he's like, you know, I should add colors to this so I could actually see the movement. So he, he, he painted the sides. It was originally wood. The first one was out of wood. And, and he, the first time he scrambled it up, he started moving it and everything. And he's like, huh, I don't know if I can get this back now. I don't remember the sequence. That's when he figured out he he built a puzzle, and it took him a little over a month to solve the first Rubik's cube. Since then, of course, it's become one of the most popular, one of the best selling toys uh, in the world. Um, uh, mathematicians, and no, Jay, I don't know specifically which mathematicians, have calculated that there are forty three. Quintillion, two hundred and fifty-two quadrillion, three trillion, two hundred seventy-four billion, four hundred eighty-nine million, eight hundred and fifty-six ways to arrange the squares on a Rubik's cube. However, only one of those combinations is correct. That's a lot of damn options. And if you had the time stone, you could do it. Look at split. Well, yes, if you could stop time around you, yes. Technically, mm-hmm. no time would pass. Um, I believe the current world record for speed cubing for a solve is 2.34 seconds as of this recording, I think. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, it took the original, the inventor, the first person to solve a Rubik's Cube, it took him a little over a month to solve So don't feel bad, kids. Even the guy who built it couldn't remember how he solved it. You know, you know, Scott. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with your number uh, place value pronunciation and okay. wording okay. until you got to the end, and then the math teacher in me kicked in, and I got disappointed. Eight hundred and fifty-six thousand. Uh, uh, the last three. What are the last three? Eight hundred fifty-six thousand. Yeah. Eight hundred fifty-six thousand. You see, see, you said eight hundred and fifty-six thousand. Okay. And implies a decimal. Okay. Sorry. It's just the math teacher in me that sparks up. I can't help it. I yeah, can't. but it's 856,000. So if you take 800,000 and add 56,000 to it, you get 856,000. Right, but when you say it, you say 800 and 56,000. So actually that would be 56,800. I'm going to have to double check on that. And implies a decimal. That's why when you t- give back change, you say, here's your change, $5 and 35 cents. Because five and 35 hundredths. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to double check you on that. <laughs> this has been another edition of Nerd Fight. And that competition you're hearing joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via DeLorean. Ladies and gentlemen, our final host, the Doc. I am the Doc. 
Great pick, buddy. <laughs> oh boy, we 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 will definitely get back to <laughs> Stallone being low. But until then. <laughs> So, you know the topic is you clicked on the thing to listen to the show, but uh, essentially what we're going to do today, there's there's a thing that has endlessly fascinated me as a movie fan and as a fan of specific kinds of movies. So we live in an age, sorry, we live in a world um, where comic book movies absolutely dominate the box office. They make the box office their bitch. Uh, we, you know, how we got this way, we're not going to dissect and dive into, uh, how much of it is the fault, uh, or credit of the MCU. We're not getting into that. Suffice to say roughly around the year 2008 ish to where we are now, comic book movies have become huge. Uh, they're, they're, they're not just a genre. They are the only, one of the only things still making crazy, stupid money at the box office. They, they rule. But how exactly, not as did we get here, but there's an interesting section of history where Hollywood executives and the powers that be could sniff that there was money to here. There's gold in them, their hills of comic book movies, but exactly how to mine it and how to get at it was still kind of a mystery. There were some successes, certainly. But there were a lot of failures. And I always find the failures more interesting than the successes. Why did something fail? Why did something not take off? Why did this movie spawn four sequels and this movie didn't get any sequels? Uh, when they're both based off comic book properties and things like that. So that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. Is the failed 90s comic book franchises. Movies that were based you know, released in the 90s. Based on a comic book property, not necessarily superhero, but comic book property that was launched with the intention of being, a, you know, a franchise or you know, a, a, a trilogy, a series of films to be big business and just failed to launch. Um, and, and, and before we dive into some specifics, uh, specific movies, a little bit of, 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 of um, a timeline. So I, the I trend... Sorry, I was just going to say, I feel like there was a lot of 90s movies that were based off of like a comic property that they tried to get going that just didn't pan yeah. out. And that's what we're going to dive into. There's a bunch right. of examples I listed. We, we may, we'll spend more time on some than others, I'm sure. But right. um, clearly, we... you're forgetting about the early Captain America movies and Spider Man movies, the live action Spider Man series and movie and, and stuff. And, you know, that Spider Man was a TV series in the 70s, doesn't count. And Captain America got it's... TV movies, so those don't count. So, no, 90s. No. What do you mean TV movies don't count? Wait. TV wait, movies wait, don't wait. count. TV? Okay, fine. Whatever. It's not even the Daredevil we're... movies. Okay, gotcha. The one Daredevil guest appearance in the, the trial of the Incredible Hulk? Thank you. And I'm not talking about the quality of the project, Scott. I'm talking about they were trying to launch a franchise, and the Incredible Hulk TV movies were sequels to a canceled show, and the Spider-Man TV movie was a pilot episode to a TV show. So no, they don't count. And the right. was it Reb Brown who had the Captain America cycle in the back of a van? That that one? Yes. We're, we're not touching that with a ten foot pole. Uh, <laughs> okay. So again, those were made. I get it. I get it. I see how it is. It's fine. It's fine. Sorry. What was that? 
Okay. Uh, sorry. Are you are you what, mad? What, <laughs> Yeah, you can't set me up like that without ahead of time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you have to tell him to get on his soundboard. First. Ah, yeah, you're right. My bad. That's I'm sorry. All right, take two. Go, Jay. Come uh, on. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, I had to close windows, and also my cat deleted my soundboard shortcut for my 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 thing. I gotta go find it now. Sure, blame it on the, the cat. Most, All right, we'll circle back around to that. Scott Cox things I've heard. My oh. cat deleted the shortcut. He did. He yeah, and your dog on. ate your homework. Yeah, gone. I've got it now. You know. All right, take okay. three. Go, Jay. Oh, are you mad, Scott? I'm not. I'm. I'm not mad. Why would I be mad? I have nothing to be mad about. I have no reason to be upset about anything. Nothing at all. No reason to be upset at all. Yeah, we know you're not mad, Jay. But is Scott mad? That's what we're asking. <laughs> No, Scott, we're not covering those because those were TV <laughs> projects. They weren't made to be theatrical movies. We're trying to limit it here. I'm just giving it a hard time. I know you are. We can talk about those sometime if you want. <laughs> I need more booze first. Uh, so the the thing that starts all of this off is Batman in 1989, which on a budget of $35 million brought in $411 million worldwide. That's 1989 money. It was the number one highest grossing film of 1989. That is what everyone is trying to chase. We are all going after that Batman money. Because it wasn't that. just the movie, it was the marketing. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. Yeah, I love that movie with the with the bat repellent, the bat shark repellent. And, and no, 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 no. The bomb no, no. can't get rid of that's that's Batman the movie. We're talking about just Batman. From 1989. Yes. Yeah, yeah, a few, yeah. One or two. Did I miss that? Yep. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was the number one highest grossing film of the year uh, Bat Mania swept the world in summer of 89 you couldn't escape the t-shirts and the breakfast cereals and the action figures and the, it was everywhere uh, very shortly after that uh, something we talked a lot about last week uh, in uh, March of 1990 you had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles which while it may be chasing the trend of the ever popular action figures and cartoon series it was also a hugely successful movie on a budget of 13 and a half million it made 202 million dollars back it was the number four highest grossing movie of 1990 um so those two kind of kick everything off those are what make hollywood sit up and go oh hey there's gold in them there hills uh batman and, and T- you know batman you could argue okay, batman is an established character and, and people you know from the, T- the adam west tv show and the comic books and people know that and okay that, that's maybe a little more bankable but uh, when a project called teenage mutant ninja turtles from an upstart new line cinema at a budget of 13 and a half million becomes the number four movie of the year oh okay there might be something to this um and and right at around this same time we get our first i can't really call it a flop but i will call it our our first failure to launch a franchise and that came out uh the same year as ninja turtles in june of 1990 we get and scott this is one i know you and i will enjoy discussing dick tracy hits theaters summer of 1990 right on the heels of ninja turtles and i loved it yeah I had, I had the official movie magazine and everything. Ooh. I wish I still had that. Did you have the weirdly proportioned action figures from Playmates? 
I never had the action figures, but they were weird. Yeah, the the movie I remember them. Yes, they were weird. The um <laughs> the movie tie-in uh, magazine and everything was great because it gave you character profiles on everybody. It gave you the history of the comics. Uh, like it was, it was a nice magazine. I, I loved it. I got that. I, I got that. And read through it many times before I actually got to saw the movie. So. Did it spoil? Who, it did uh, not. Okay, good, good. It did not spoil the identity of the blank. The blank. Thank you. I was blanking on the name. Uh oh. Uh, so Dick Tracy. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, don't worry about it. It's it. It is a. This is the debate I always have. It's a Technicolor film noir. Yeah, that's a good way um, to put it. Yeah, made. At, there's a, a Dick Tracy comic strip that ran from the 1930s to I think the 1960s is when it stopped. I could be wrong on that. Um, which featured Dick Tracy, a detective uh, who who went up against lots of colorful gangster villains. It was very much like the Expendables kind of, you know, G-Men versus the gangsters kind of thing. Um, but they were all very cartoony, you know, the, the, going off the thing of like the, the eccentric nicknames gangsters had back in the twenties. Uh, so like, you know, big boy Caprice is just like the size of a blimp because big boy flat top has a literal flat top. Like his head is just like his level, like a table. Yeah. Uh, mumbles can't speak. He just talks and mumble. Like they, they take the nicknames literally. That's kind of the joke. Um, yeah. but, but also. You gotta love the casting in this movie. Oh yes, I mean Mumbles, who is, uh, albeit a key character in the story, you know, because he has a pivotal point to play. Yep. He's, he's kind of a he's a supporting character. Is played by Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Big Boy Caprice is um, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Uh, Flat Top is William Forsythe. I mean. Yeah. You know, the, the, the cameos go on or not cameos the, the characters go on and on and and most of the like scouts are unrecognizable through all the makeup they have and the makeup is very well done yeah, they, they look appropriately uh, cartoony Tenken, right yes yes he is uh madonna who was huge at the time plays uh, uh breathless malone mahome yeah malone, literally, literally the, the 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 weakest casting and character in 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 this whole thing because madonna she plays a great femme fatale yeah, but she's just so over the top cliched. It's not funny. Her 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 performance. She she has the, the the least, in my opinion, performance of this movie. She's just being Madonna. Well, that's fine. Madonna is the femme fatale. Call it yeah, typecasting. No, no, and and that's fine. Job. Yeah, she yeah. I'm not saying she's horrible. I'm just saying okay. Of of all of them, she's yeah. So and again, it it's done in that. Uh, when gangsters were like you know big and popular is when the comic came out and and, and or the strip came out um, that it's based on and it follows suit it it has all the tropes and trappings of a film noir gangster movie only everything is in bright pastel well, not pastel but like bright technicolor greens and blues and yellows and reds and and it's very for the most part even at night very brightly lit. And even like the buildings and the cars are like that, you know, red, green, blue kind of color scheme because that's what the the yeah. comic strip printing stuff used. Yes, it's yes. it's a weird, yeah, it's literal very, translation. Yeah, sorry. It's very primary color. I mean, literally, yeah. you, you have an undercover detective running around trying to get the drop on hoods in a banana yellow coat and hat. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> yellow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 unique. Uh, it definitely does a good job of of 
translating the look of the comic into live action at, at great expense. The film's budget was um, uh, $47 million. And in 1990 money, that's no laughing matter. Uh, you know, this is before, you know, your standard Marvel movie cost 200 million, 47 million was a lot of money. Um, it's, it's you know, 10 million or 12 million more than Batman had. Uh, anyway, so all that aside, uh, I loved the movie as a kid. I did have the weird playmates action figures that were humans, but proportioned like they were Ninja Turtles. It was weird. Um, and it was, it was, and I've said this before on the show, it was my introduction without even knowing it, my introduction to film noir, um, you know, as I watched stuff uh, later in, in, in life, stuff like uh, the Maltese Falcon uh, and the original Scarface and stuff, I was like, oh, this is what Dick Tracy's trying to be. Okay, I get it now. Um, it, it, it made money. It made a total of $163 million worldwide. It was good enough to be in the top 10 highest grossings of 1990. Not quite as good as Ninja Turtles. Um, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It won three. By all means, this was a successful movie, except it was intended to be the start of a franchise, and we, to date, as of 2023, have gotten exactly zero sequels to this movie. Exactly zero? Yes, exactly zero theatrically released well, uh, feature-length yeah, narrative yeah. films well, that continue the now story. You're, now you're requantifying a it. sequel. Yes, now you're I'm not requantifying. I'm, I'm spe- specifying what I mean by sequel because I know what you're going to bring up, and that doesn't fucking count. <laughs> but go ahead and bring it up because it's dumb. It's not dumb. It is, but it's a perfect segue in, into why this movie uh, never got a sequel. So go ahead. You know, uh, Warren Beatty has filmed a couple of like small specials with him as the character. You know, to so that he can keep the rights because he's got to film something so many, you know, every so many years. But there's been a couple of follow ups. You know, I mean, Warren Beatty himself interviewed Dick Tracy. How awesome is that? Awesome is not the word I would use, <laughs> but it sure happened twice. Uh, the second one, I don't, I don't think he interviewed himself. No, it happened twice. Uh, did he, he did it once in like 2009 with Leonard Maltin yeah. as a big yeah. special. And then he did it again, uh, like a couple years back, on fucking a Zoom call. Oh, yeah, yeah. again to keep the rights. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I think what killed this movie, and then this is kind of one of the the rabbit holes I fell down to with a lot of these, is two things. Number one, I always felt it was in a weird spot because who exactly was it made for? <laughs> because, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, uh, kids. You know, people, me and Jay's age, we didn't grow up with the Dick Tracy comic strip. My introduction to Dick Tracy was this movie. Adults who may have read the comic strip, again, the strip ended, I think, in 1960. So at this point, 30 years after the strip was done running, uh, and we're making a movie about it. Okay. Um, and this is kind of a theme. I want to bring it up now because I think this applies to a lot of movies on this list. So I'm not ter- sure. It, it was it was too grown up for for uh, to really move a lot of merch because those action figures did not move very well. Uh, famously, they saved the um, the blank action figure 
uh, because the uh, the identity of the blank is a big plot twist. They didn't want an action figure ruining that because the blank would have a the blank. It looks like the question from DC Comics. It's a he's wearing a trench coat and a, uh, a fedora, and his face is just blank. Like a, he's wearing a mask, but it just has no facial features at all. And who's who is the blank is kind of one of the plot twists. They didn't want an action figure to reveal that because you could take the mask off and see who it was. So. Sorry, they pushed that figure to wave two of the action figures. And wave one sold so terribly, they unloaded all of wave two into Canada <laughs> just to dump them off. So if you were one of like the handful of kids who were big into Dick Tracy and you were trying to collect all the figures and you could not find that the blank action figure, that's why. Uh, so yeah, the, the kids didn't quite jump on board with it. Uh, and adults didn't, you know, despite being too a little too grown up for kids, it was also a little too cartoony for adults. Because again, even though you're doing it through wonderful makeup, they're very over the top cartoony characters, and it's it's a little on the wacky side. Um, so it was in this weird spot. But the biggest thing that I think killed this is pretty much immediately after it was released. It got bogged down in lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. And by that, I mostly mean the same lawsuit refiled and refiled and refiled and refiled. Ad nauseum to this day, uh, Warren Beatty fighting a company whose name I forgot to write down over who owns the rights. At one point, this company, again, I forgot what they're called, uh, in the early 2000s, was gearing up to do a modern rebooted Dick Tracy series on the WB until another lawsuit from Warren Beatty killed that project. Um, and, and to this day, it's still mired in legal controversy. I think at this point, Warren Beatty has like the controlling stake in the character, but I don't think he owns it full out, lock, stock, and barrel. Um, so, yeah. Uh. I, I've never actually I don't think I've seen this movie from beginning to end I've seen parts of it I know a lot of it uh-huh. um, but I know what you're talking about and and, and the, uh, the only thing that I can think of when you said that they dumped all of the like the second wave of toys into Canada yeah is that there's a bunch of kids in Canada running around <laughs> playing playing with these Dick Tracy toys and having the blank while also wearing um, uh atlanta braves world series champions from 1991 t-shirts because well the, the braves lost the world series in 1991 to the twins so i just imagine them sending all those i think those get shipped to like africa <laughs> but yeah <laughs> just wearing in like a like a buffalo bills super bowl champs hats <laughs> yeah for some reason a lot of wave two stuff gets sent off overseas like uh so i've, I've been this is gonna be a tangent i'm sorry hey welcome to rabbit hole the podcast uh so you guys know i'm i'm, I'm trying to collect all the aliens kenner 1990s action figure stuff there's there's three colonial marines that were never released in the u.s they because it, at that point in the line the marine figures were not selling like at all just the alien figures were so hudson Vasquez and a made-up one named O'Malley were only ever released in the UK. Hmm. I'm never going to get those action figures. They go for like 500 bucks a pop. <laughs> yeah, that was the nice. thing. Wave one didn't sell and sent them overseas. 
<laughs> but uh, so yeah, so that there's our our first sort of example of of what what, what I mean by the movie wasn't necessarily bad and it made money and it won Oscars, but no sequel. It did not become the franchise the studio and the filmmakers were hoping it would. Well, one thing that kills me about this movie, if they were wanting, they're wanting to make a franchise out of it yet. Yep. Like they take all, like just about every, you know, uh, major gangster character that's in the Dick Tracy comic strip is in this movie. But there's a lot of like the secondary and tertiary ones that just get killed off in gratuitous scenes of just them getting killed. So if they did get to make another movie in in this continuity, like who did they have to pick from? Like pretty much every character's killed off or in jail at the end of this movie. I got you, you got to think like a producer. That's where the real money comes in, because now you can invent bad guys that you own lock, stock and barrel. You don't got to license them from anybody. They're yours. Yeah. Yep. So we get um, um, uh, Bucktooth McGee and uh, (laughs) Lazy Eye Higgins and uh, my my favorite references to Dick Tracy were always in like uh, I don't know if it was Dick Tracy or just gangsters in general but like Bugs Bunny cartoons. Uh, I think those were gangsters in general. Well, yeah. yeah, that was that was actually making fun of the uh, the the James Cagney, yeah, gangster. Is what is what that was kind of made poking yeah. fun. When, yeah, that was an they just, the James Cagney. Gangster. They just remind me of each other. Like I just think of <laughs> Dick Tracy, the movie, and those weird gangsters, and it makes me think of the Bugs Bunny cartoon with the <laughs> yeah, weird that's... gangsters in it. It's exactly what they were going for. Let's take these cartoonish characters and do them like for real in real life. It's kind of so, it's kind of creepy. So, John, when do we get to talk about a bad movie that also didn't do well? Well, so that depends how you guys want to do the rest of the show. I've got it written out chronologically, uh-huh. but we can jump to what I think Jay wants to talk to if you guys want to do that. Well, I mean, I just I I'm how many are on your list? Can I ask? Uh. Three ahead of the one you want to get to. Okay, can we? Well, we can go fast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had I, the I, that that was the biggest notes was just to kind of get oh, the ball okay. rolling of what we're gotcha, doing. Gotcha, gotcha. So. Okay. Uh, so another '90s comic book movie that failed to get a franchise. This one hurts. 1991, Disney's big summer blockbuster, The Rocketeer. Oh, wah, yeah, wah. great yeah. movie. Yes, yes, it is, Scott. And again, I'm not saying these are bad movies. These, these specifically, anyway. There are some later we're going to get to that are definitely bad movies. But yes, no, Rocketeer. I'd look. I'm, I'm not going to say much about this because I talk about Rocketeer all the time. But when? So my question is, when was the comic The Rocketeer out? Um, the comic it's based on was released in the late '80s. Uh, okay, '87, '88. Yeah. So, so the, the the yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say. So closer. Closer to the to relevance, yeah. Like... So even even though it was released more uh, contemp- contemporarily, mm-hmm. yeah, it was sure. more released more. It's still a throwback to the 1930s serial pulp comics. Um, there's a theme to these first several ones. I see uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Thirty-five million dollar budget only run in forty-six million dollars. Um, and I, I think this falls into the Dick Tracy category of who did they make it for? 
and I'm glad you bring that up, Jay, because because this is an interesting contrast. So they came out uh, within about a year of each other, and Dick Tracy had a whole toy line that we talked about a little bit. You know, Rocketeer had nothing as far as toys went. Not a jetpack, not a helmet, not an action figure line, not vehicles, fucking nothing. No. Jay, if you were a kid, which of these two toy lines or two movies would you probably buy toys of more? Uh, well, I, obviously the Rocketeer, but I just got an image of like little baby John Peacock with the helmet on and the jetpack, and you had to buy them separately, of course, because oh, yeah, make yeah. money. Just running around his yard going, I'm the Rocketeer. Like, I mean, it sells itself. The commercial sells itself. You yeah, know? right? Yeah. Diving off my tree fort in Illinois because it's, yeah. it's the blimp. Yeah. No, it's okay. I did. I definitely did not use my broken proton pack as a Rocketeer jet. Well, definitely. So I did not do that, but <laughs> because I was, I was in a little bit different era for toys. Uh-huh. You know? So the old uh, 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 three and a half inch G.I. Joe's. Yes. Right? Okay. So there was a Cobra Viper. Okay? And I can't remember which Viper it was. I was actually looking, browsing through Google here real quick and see if I could find it, but I can't. It's, it's not one of the more popular ones, so I can't find it right now. But one of the Vipers had a thing where he had, he had like a, 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 his backpack was like a tool pack, you know? Uh-huh. So it had like this step in thing where you would put the tools down in the holes, you know, so they would stick up the different attachments. Okay. Well, actually, they were. Hey, well, actually, they were. I'm sorry, they weren't tools. They were um, projectiles. Oh, actually, I think I found it here. Um, but there were projectiles for his gun, and his gun in his hand was like he would grip it in the middle, and there was a barrel on top and a barrel on bottom, right? Okay. Well, I quickly found out that if I took that and 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 mirrored it, like I could I could marry it, like they would fit together, you know, on the backpack and I could tape it down and turn it upside down. So the two barrels were like the, the nozzles on the jetpack. Okay. And I could cut out a piece of cardboard on the fin to put on the helmet. I could make a little, little rocketeer toy. Ooh, I did. He flew around everywhere. You were much more creative than I was. <laughs> uh, I inherited some GI Joe's from my older cousin. So I had that like wave one Duke green jetpack. That he uses at the the opening of the cartoon sequence. Yeah, yeah. I forget what other GI Joe. I think it was the pilot for the um, Sky Striker, because he had a helmet. Uh, but he he sure got that jetpack a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that's part of it. Is is Disney didn't really push this. This is I think the Rocketeer is something that you could have marketed to kids, and it could have could have helped. Uh, maybe not made the movie financially successful, but it could have helped. Uh, recoup some of that cost because it, it didn't do well at the box office. Uh, but it's me, I had to look into it. I'm sorry. Uh, I promise I didn't do this for every movie because I eventually <laughs> fell asleep. Um, but I did look into what I think actually killed the Rocketeer was box office competition. Oh, excuse me. So there, there was nothing in the box office that could even compete with the Rocketeer, it was the, the best movie of that year. I'm not, sure. I'm not saying again. We're not talking quality. We're talking box office. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Go ahead. So w- within w- w- within that same summer, you had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two: Secret of the Use, Hot Shots, City Slickers, Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves, 
and a little movie called Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Wow, that uh, was here. I I don't think any of those movies would hold a candle to the Rocketeer in the all within the same summer. Yeah, that um, would never. What? That's yeah, a summer, so. yeah. Ninety one was stacked. <laughs> that the Rocketeer got hosed. Let me tell you, sure what? did. Whoever planned that release date? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's a lot of really good movies. That uh, you're yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, that's all in like a two and a half month time frame of when Rocketeer was in theaters. I, I I couldn't confirm, but I remember hearing as a kid that the movie was performing so bad by like week three or four because uh, there was so much stuff coming out that Disney flat out just pulled it from theaters. Uh, I couldn't confirm that, but I remember hearing about that. So. What um, what a year to be like to have been born in like 1975. You know, be 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 in your 20s. No, because you'd you'd be sixteen in nineteen ninety one. Okay. So you could go see these movies. What I'm saying is, it was a good slate of movies. You could go okay. see the movies. That's, hey, I was I was fourteen. I saw most of these movies. That's that's what I'm saying. Like you know, I, I saw been... all these movies, and I was in like third grade. So. But I, I okay, never mind. Forget it. Okay. For, forget <laughs> it. Just keep going. Fine, it's fine. Okay, trudging on. Uh, I think this is the last one of this like theme. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, well, no, not quite. Okay. Almost the last. Anyway, sorry. I left one off my list. Okay. Uh, make sure I got the right one here. Focus. Stay on target. Uh, I am. I am. I am. Oh, yeah. I left one off my list. Motherfucker. Okay. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about, but I now have to look up because I totally fucking forgot one. Um, 1994, July, as if we haven't learned our lesson yet, a icon of the pulp comics of the 30s and 40s. Scott, if I asked you, who knows what evil lurks, lurks in the hearts of men? What would you say? Oh, that's easy. Sergeant Slaughter. Right, no. The shadow. Zigged when I thought you were going to zag there, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> the shadow knows. You're goddamn right, the shadow knows. <laughs> 1994, July 1st, we get The Shadow with Alec Baldwin and uh, Ian McKellen. And um, it sure did not do well. Ian McClellan's in that movie? He plays the professor who builds the atomic bomb. Wow, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, and I enjoyed this movie. I, I this was another one that I, I did that was good. Um, uh, but I completely forgot Ian McClellan is in that movie. Yep, I think it was one of his actually, it was one of his first film appearances. Uh, he was a stage actor before that, but you know, you got to eat so. Yeah, again, another property based on a serial comic, and and look, this one by far was definitely trying the most to be Batman. One of the characters that had the biggest influence on the creation of Batman is the Shadow. Uh, so there's already lots of parallels with the character. He's he's, he's a, a billionaire playboy by day and superhero by night, and he's got that grizzy, grizzy, griddled. I can't talk. Greasy, grizzled. grizzled. He's got that yes. grizzled, uh, gritty kind of detective noir thing going for him. 
um because you get disguises himself and it's got the cool twin 45s and look as a kid in the summer of 94 didn't know any better i love this movie uh it did have a toy line um it had his taxi that changed into a car even though it never did that in the movie with peter boyle as the taxi driver um it was it was great um however cost 48 sorry cost 40 million dollars to make and worldwide box office was 48 million dollars i've never seen this movie oh my god you watch the movie it's a, again it's a good movie it's if it, 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 it's 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 not batman and if you went into this expecting batman because that's what they were trying to do it ain't batman uh it, it's it's a cool fun again the, the, those three movies together make a really cool fun with with, with another one we're going to talk about later kind of hey we can tell superheroes and comic book movies are doing well what properties can we nab quick and these were sort of i don't want to say low-hanging fruit uh, and again rocketeer is in kind of a weird thing because even though it's an homage to 30s pulp comics it was written in the 80s uh, but these were all independently published. They weren't part of Marvel or DC. These these were not cheap, but uh, they were quick and easy to grab and pick up. And the executives in charge at these studios at the time may have had some nostalgia for some of these properties, but the audiences that they were marketing them to sure did not. Um, and The Shadow, uh, again, as much as I love this movie, it's got a great cast. It's a really fun, again, pulpy um 1930s serial kind of movie it's great uh it had the same problem as the rocketeer uh the same literally within the week before the shadow hit theaters disney put out a little movie called the lion king i saw that in theaters yeah and and within two weeks after two movies called uh forest gump and true lies came out oof so this was just sandwiched in between what would become huge blockbuster movies. Uh, it it kind of got left by the wayside. Uh, I know that one of those, the movie itself is a little too dark for kids, um, but a little, little too kiddish for adults. They tried to sell us toys. We were not buying them. Those bastards. Yeah. All right, Jay, the one I know you've been waiting to talk about. Here we go. This is just a really weird property, uh, but it could have been great uh, if it was adapted properly. It, it came from the kind of uh, the uh, uh, punk influence of the 80s, bleeding over into comic books. 1995, Tank Girl. Hey, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> This is the first one on this list that I'm going to say flat out. This is a bad movie. Uh, I know they had high hopes and they were trying. Uh, and I'm not going to spend much time because I don't think anyone else here has seen this movie. Nope. But it is not good. I've seen parts of it. Yep. Uh, Lori Patty was perfect casting as Tank Girl, who was the Manny Pixick. Think Harley Quinn now, but like 30 years before Harley Quinn. That's Tank Girl. Uh, the comic is... Yes, and driving a tank that may or may not be sentient. It's a thing. Uh, it, it, it's very, again, this is like Tank Girl, the comic, and the movie is the punk rock superhero. 
she, she, she's fighting against, she's in a post-apocalyptic Australia, uh, fighting against an evil corporation, the Water and Power Corporation, because water is now the most valuable thing on Earth. Uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell is the, the head of Water and Power. Uh, he was looking for a light, fun project after he did Star Trek Generations, and he picked this. Uh, it has Ice Cube as the leader of a group of mutant human kangaroo monsters. Okay. Okay. With makeup, with makeup, and and visual effects from Stan Winston. Nice. So they're creepy as fuck, and they'll give you nightmare fuel, but they sure look good as nightmare fuel. It's like, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, um, he slashed his his fee, his normal fee, in half because uh, Stan Winston was so intrigued and excited by the thought of doing human kangaroo makeup on Ice Cube. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, Tank Girl did not do. No, what I have seen of it, like I've seen clips of it on different things, or like when they're talking about movies, you'll see clips of it, and they'll bring this up, and like it does, it just doesn't look good. Like it, yeah, it it look, it could have been great. Uh, the studio kept cutting it and cutting it, and it was one of those things where like the studio greenlit it, and then immediately got scared about it. And kept trying to take what is supposed to be like a, a subversion and a uh, a middle finger to the establishment. It's the uh, to borrow a phrase from Paul Rudd in Ghostbusters Afterlife, what was supposed to be the safety pin through the nipple of comic book cinema. Uh, and they kept trying to water it down and water it down and water it down. Um, th- they originally wanted to sign this upstart punk band to do a song for them. Uh, and the studio took so long to get around to approaching that band's management to get them to do a song, uh, they could no longer afford them. That little band was called Green, Green Day. Day. <laughs> uh, yeah, literally, but... yeah, the summer between when they, they wanted them to do it and when the studio got around to asking them about it, Green Day blew up and they could no longer afford Green Day. Um, anyway, Tank Girl, if you haven't seen it, look, grab some brews and give it a watch because you won't be bored. You might be traumatized, but you won't be <laughs> bored. And and kudos to, was it Lori Petty? Is that right? Yes, yes. For giving it her all in this movie. If you've only ever seen Lori Petty and stuff like League of Their Own, you have to watch Tank Girl because Tank Girl is Lori Petty just unhindered. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's her being her. Yes, because because if you ever go to meet Laurie Petty expecting her character from uh, a league of their own, you're in for a surprise. Because that is not her. Uh, isn't she also in um, that Pauly Shore? Uh, welcome. Are you in the army now? You're goddamn right. She is. Yeah. Playing basically the same character, just slightly more toned down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Yeah. All right, Jay. Also yeah. 1995, from the acclaimed, beloved 2000 AD magazine, we get perhaps one of the darkest, grittiest, uh, most dripping with political satire movies, or sorry, uh, uh, comic book properties, made to a big budget action film starring Sly himself. Jay, what am I talking about? I am the That's Judge right. Dredd. Judge Dread, 1995. What a Jay. pile of shit. Wow! Love this movie. <laughs> Don't hold back, Jay. Tell me how you really feel. Oh, my God. 
I uh it's so hard to watch now. Like I can't even take it seriously anymore. It's like they turned it into a live action cartoon, if that makes sense. Like they it's not good. It is not good. I do not know. It is a classic example of a comic book, a popular comic property getting a classic 90s treatment. All right. Yeah. Live action co- uh, cartoon, like I said. It's, you know, you, do you want to expand on that, Scott? Well, I mean, you know, you've got the the, the whole once once these things get, you know, once the comic properties and everything, then you you suffer from the, the same thing that a lot of people have suffered. It's like, oh, we're going to hire a big name. We're going to we're going to get Sly Stallone as Judge Dredd. Well, he can't wear the helmet. We got everybody. Everybody has to see him as Sly Stallone. We got to. We got to see him. So, we're gonna we're gonna take it out, and we're gonna we're gonna take him out of his element. We're gonna we're gonna you know strip him of his armor and everything, and he's he's gonna be Sly doing his thing, uh, uh, and everything. And it it was just great. I just love it because when we when we watched it originally, you know, my friends and I we went to see it, and you get that great scene where you know he's out in the wasteland and he he's killing it's like with the the redneck family and he kills the one and 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 the one guy looks at him and says you killed my paw and like all of us just turn to each other and we just said like at once we're like my name is an eagle montoya you killed my father what a fancy day it was funny uh yeah I, i and i agree with that scott that like you got to have the '90s superstar without the mask on, but like the mask is what makes Judge Dredd. He's faceless. Yes, he has a name, why, but he's supposed why, to be faceless. Which is why Carl Urban's, you know, time in the helmet is much better than this one. Though I do enjoy this movie. And it's and like you said, the '90s treatment. It's like, oh, let's we we got to give him like an antagonist. Oh, the antagonist used to be a judge. Oh, yeah, perfect. Now let's put a robot in it. Why? I don't know. Why not? Well, like, now, some of those are elements from the comics. Credit <laughs> where credit is due. Yeah, I know. It's just, I, uh, uh. Yeah, it's um I file this under someone did not understand the assignment. Yes. Uh, and, and even Stallone himself has has gone on record as saying uh, this was not the movie I signed on when I thought we were making. Because apparently Sly had, uh, I don't know if it was when they approached him to do the movie or what, but he was aware of the comic book and had read some of the, the issues in 2000 AD, which is the uh, UK magazine that uh, originally published the Judge Dredd comics. Uh, and, and he was he he got what it was. It was like dark satire of of you know american culture and judge dread was sort of like dirty hairy but cranked up to 11 and you know we said it in like a post-apocalyptic future because then we can talk about stuff that happens now but through that filter of sci-fi and he was on board with all that he liked that and then the movie happened and the studio just wanted an action movie and don't think just shoot and and his own ego kind of got in the way a little bit there uh the movie was cut and i just learned this when i was uh looking into it the movie was cut and resubmitted five times to get it from an NC-17 to an R rating. Oof. Good Lord. Which first, first of all tells me somewhere out there is an NC-17 cut of Judge Dredd, and why the hell have we not gotten that on Blu-ray yet? I'd love to see it. I know. Uh, it was then cut again because they decided, by Stallone, it would do better as a PG-13 rating. We've... Uh... 
Give me the NC-17, Judge Dredd, and then I'll let you know how good it is. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. Uh, so, yeah, this was very much a, a, a an issue of, again, for, for a character who in the comics is never, ever depicted with his helmet off, ever, uh, he wears it for about the first 10 minutes, and then it's off the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> here's, like, here's the real question. Yes. When did they decide that putting Rob Schneider in this movie was a good idea? You know, they must have thought Demolition Man did so well, and I'll have to look at which one came out first. Because <laughs> Rob <laughs> Schneider had a whole sub-career in the 90s of being an action movie sidekick. Yeah. He did, and it was wonderful. None of them were good, but he kept doing it. Because what, what was that one with the uh, the two brothers, and he's like, they're surfer dudes, and he sings... Surf ninjas? And he, and he sings, yeah, and he sings the song, yeah, Ninjas, bop, yeah. bop, 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 Yeah. Bop, bop, hang on. Bop, 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 Ron. Rom. Barbara Ann. Yes. No, 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 no in no, the movie. No. Yeah. In the movie, they there's like, there's a guy, a dignitary visiting, and he's the bop Ram. Okay. Or something like that. They're and supposed so they, to do a, uh, okay. an introduction for him, and they forget and so to they do sing, it. So ah. then he sings, he sings the to the tune Barbara Ann. Okay. But it's it's Baparam. Okay. I, I've it's, not seen the movie, so I honestly thought you were getting the lyrics wrong. I'm sorry. No, no, no he I was know, getting them. I know the was, voice song. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm he was correctly it. incorrect. Yes. <laughs> it's it's it for. Until I actually heard the Beach Boys song, I thought those were the actual lyrics. I will say that. Wow. Because I had seen Surf Ninjas before I heard the Beach Boys song. Once again, Jay, I'm right there with you, buddy. So, you know. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't, know the, I didn't know the Beach Boys did songs other than Kokomo until I was in like junior high. So. Right? You know, yeah. you're like, oh, this is a good song. It's like, wait, the Beach Boys sing that? Uh, unrelated note, asking what my mom's favorite song is. What, what's your mom's favorite song? Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Oh, right. Didn't know they had other songs, yeah. <laughs> uh, Good Vibrations is a Beach Boys song? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry. Uh, anyway. No, you're fine, you're fine. So yeah, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, great, terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's sure tried. It, uh, try to be something. I don't know what it was trying to be. Yeah, this one is a little more unclear. It just uh, it it just did not quite take off. It's uh, the comic book fans hated it. The people who weren't fans of the comics didn't quite get it. Because uh, again, it was one of those things where like they kept cutting it and cutting it and cutting it. And there may be a version. Apparently, there's an NC-17 version that might be you know some lost gem. But when you keep cutting a movie like that, the the tone gets all off and the humor gets off. And you know, the, the, first of all, it's a very specific kind of humor they're going for. Uh, well, originally we're going for. By the time we got cut down, I don't think they were going for anything. But uh, there you go, Judge Dredd. It uh, Judge, it got its redemption later. You know what we need? We need Judge Dredd the Snyder cut. That's what. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> keep Zack Snyder away from it. All right, uh, we we then jump to the one I forgot uh, on my list, so I had to do some quick research. Uh, 1996, uh, it's another two for years. So uh, 95 gave us Tank Girl and Judge Dredd. 1996 gave us one of my favorite gems of a movie. 
And it, it hurts my heart this didn't do better because this had all the makings of being an awesome, awesome franchise. Take one part uh, Batman, one part Indiana Jones, and mix them all together, throw in a healthy dose of purple, and you get The Phantom. I did not like this movie. Uh, I I just want to say, I'm just to say this right now. I have never seen this movie. However, I saw the trailer for it like a million times. And I don't know what movie it was before that I saw this. Because you remember back in the day, VHS tapes had previews of coming attractions. Yep. You guys remember those good old days? Well, this was one of the previews on a movie that like we, I don't know, we had or had a copy of or something. And you, I'd always watch this preview because I was like, man, this looks awesome. But uh, I never actually got to see it. So. So as Billy Zane, as the titular phantom, it's another movie based on a 1930s pulp comic character. Um, Kit Walker, a.k.a. the Phantom. It also had Christy Swanson, Treat Williams, Catherine Zeta-Jones, James Remar. Uh, again, a really good, awesome stat cast. Uh, a really fun tone to it. Um, the Phantom is sort of sort of like Black Panther, kind of. He's this vigilante figure on this island, fake island nation that I forgot the name of. Uh, but the 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 title, it's sort of um, 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 Dread Pirate Robertsy. And that the title of the Phantom is handed down father to son through generations. But the people other who are outside of the the uh, the Walker family don't know that. So to them, it's all just the Phantom. He's called the Ghost Who Cannot Die, um, or the, the Ghost Who Ghost Who Walks. The Ghost Who Walks. There we go. Sorry. Um, but it's it's this pulpy <laughs> Indiana Jones. We've got to get the MacGuffin thing, and the you know, the MacGuffin is these three mystical skulls that if you put them together, you get fortune and power or something, whatever. So we're chasing after these three skulls to beat the bad guys to get there. And, and we started in the jungles, and we get to like 1930s New York, and then we're in. Uh, uh, um, we we have like. Uh, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is in charge of a, a group of all female fighter pilots. Uh, very pulpy, very 30s, fun movie. That Scott's going to tell us why he hates. No, no, I can't tell you. I, first of all, I, I I won't say I hate this movie. Okay. Um, I just say, here's my caveat. I watched it because it came out around the same time as The Shadow. Like, yep. they, were, they were both kind of from the same era of source material. Mm-hmm. And I watched The Shadow, and I liked The Shadow, and then The Phantom came out, and I watched The Phantom. I remember not liking it as much, but it's been since then since I've seen it, so I can't tell you why I didn't like it. And if I watched it today, I it may be different. I don't know. Well, Jay hasn't seen it, so I think we're doing uh, we're all together. Well, I would watch it. I, but, I, I like I said, because that preview, like I just remember he's climbing on a plane. And yep. then, like, he jumps on a plane from a truck or something, and it's like yep. all these cool stunts that I'm like, man, this looks awesome. And I just never got to see a- another it. hero like the Shadow, who's who doesn't really have any superpowers, but he's got a purple suit and a pair of twin forty fives. Well, something, and... something in twin forty fives that you like, John. I don't understand. It just appeals to me, Jay. I don't know what I can. I don't know what to say. It's about. Hey, Last Man uh, is a wonderful movie. Was it? Last Man Standing. I love that movie. Oh, great. That he oh, also has twin 45. You get yeah, your twin does. 45s. Yeah. Um, Thomas Jane Punisher. Anyway, sorry. Now, one thing, one thing that I, I can say is 
that I'm pretty sure that this character was somewhat of the inspiration for uh, Black Panther in Marvel. Because there's just way too many similarities with everything. And, of course, this came out long before, I think. I'd have to look up the exact. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, a good 30 years or so, yeah. Yeah, and I don't care for Black Panther in Marvel. I, I've just never liked the character, ever. Okay. So, yeah, it could just be this this archetype. I just don't like it. One bit of trivia I want to drop on you. If you ever, if you do decide to watch this movie, I highly recommend it. It's a fun time. Um, Mid nineties, we were not in the era of cool super suits that we are now. Um, so this movie, this Sorry. movie, Billy Zane is rocking uh, a leather head shroud with a mask built into it, some leather boots, leather holster. And a whole lot of purple spandex. Because uh, that's all his costume is. is flat up purple spandex. And they originally built it to have uh, padded muscles in it to make him look bigger. And Billy Zane said, fuck that noise. Billy Zane just hit the gym nonstop for like a year uh, leading up to this movie. So when you watch that movie, all of the Phantom when he is in that suit is 100% Billy Zane. All of the Phantom, huh? Wink, wink. Just huh? all of the all, Phantom. All of the Phantom, huh? All the parts of all the Phantom. Of got it. Yep. Gotcha. Billy and his Zane. So the, uh, the ladies like the Phantom, do they? <laughs> Not just the ladies, who I hear. Anyway, great movie. It's a fun time checking it out. Uh, but like the rest of these, failed to get started. Um, two more. I'm going to... Well, yeah, same year, we got Barbed Wire in 1996. Never heard wow. of it. That was a hot mess. Yes, it's the vehicle that was going to launch Pamela Starter, Pamela Anderson into stardom, but based it, on an independent comic book. Yeah, into into movie stardom because because she was already kind of had her, her her star with uh, the Baywatch. Baywatch, thank you. She was already yeah. there, but she was trying to make that jump from television to 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 movie like leading lady. Yep. You know, to carry a movie, it, it did not work out for her. The movie is literally. Casablanca. The plot of the movie is Casablanca. It's not shy about it. It it rips off the entire plot structure of Casablanca. Uh, um, uh, the, the 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 Rick is is barbed wire. Is <laughs> Pam Anderson, uh, and and a young Tamara Morrison pre Boba Fett is her uh, estranged lover. Um, huh. Yeah, don't watch it. Don't okay. Uh, look, there are parts of this movie. If somebody walks in, they're gonna think you've you're watching softcore porn from the nineties. Because this movie you sure are. wants sure wants to remind you, hey, Pam Anderson has boobs. Yeah, she won't show them because this is a movie, but she'll show like pretty much everything but the nipple, and yep. she'll do that in like every other scene. Yeah, it's 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 not good. Uh, moving on, last two we have to cover. Uh, 1997, we get an honest attempt at taking what was a huge character in the 90s and bringing him to the big screen, Spawn, in 1997. Oh, see, I like this movie. I'm not a huge fan of the comic. I never read the comic. I just, I knew of the character, and and I watched the movie, and part of what I loved about this movie was John Leguizamo's performance in this movie. Yeah, he, he, he goes off in this movie, like... He didn't hold back. He was he was giving it his all in this movie. It's just the rest of the cast was not great. 
That's what, in my opinion, I felt like the rest of the cast fell flat. Like, I, I can't remember the guy who played Spawn. Michael Jai White. This should he, have been his, his star-making turn. Oh, is that really who that is? Yeah. He's in her makeup the entire time, except for, like, the opening of the movie. If there was any any movie on this list that really should, it had the everything was stacked in its favor to start a franchise. It was Spawn. Can you repeat that, Scott? You're breaking up. What, 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 okay, I'm confused. I mean, like literally going into this movie, everything for Spawn to create a franchise was in its favor. It was a popular comic. It was Image. It was it was it was uh, McFarlane. It was uh, like like it was it, it had its movie in its prime. Right. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, no. You're nailing the head, dude. Yeah. Everything was aligned for this to be a blockbuster movie, action, special effects. And, you know, let's go full on. Let's make a franchise. It did a very good job of showing why his quote unquote cape is so weird in the comics, why he sometimes has a mask and sometimes doesn't in the comics. Like, like I read the comics and I'm like, why is this mask off here? This mask isn't off here. Why is this cape doing that funky stuff? And then I watched the movie. And I'm like, oh, I'm seeing it live action. I kind of get it now. Why? So I'll be honest. Why it never went forward and, and actually made a franchise? I don't know. Because the, the it's not like the deck was stacked against it. The deck was stacked for it. John hmm. Leguizamo is great. Okay. Uh, hello. Hello. Yeah, we're here. Hello. Okay. Okay, I know Scott has had a big thing, but I didn't catch any of that because on my end, it was it, 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 the entire time he was talking. So I'm sorry, Scott. Okay. You're coming in okay now, but everything you just, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear any of that. Um, I, I, I was, so I, I don't see why of all the ones that we've talked about, why this movie didn't start a franchise. Because this, okay. this movie, at the time that it was released, the deck was stacked in its favor to launch a franchise. The the Spawn comics were popular. You know, they were from Image, which was this 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 gritty new publisher on the scene. It was Todd McFarlane, like the man at the time could do no wrong. It had a decent cast for its time. I mean, I thought so. It had special effects. It it, it, it should have just why we never got sequels, I don't know. You are one thousand percent correct, sir. Uh, this one's kind of a mystery. the The only thing I can kind of look at with this movie and say maybe this is it is, again, the studio wants Batman. Spawn is similar to Batman, but um, if Batman is like a hard PG thirteen, Spawn is like NC seventeen. Spawn involves demons and the devil and hell and and lots of violence and. We got a PG-13 movie. I was just going to ask, what was Spawn rated? PG-13. See, I think, and like you said, I think that's what does it in and stops it from moving forward is it's not, you can't get as gritty as you probably should with Spawn. Yeah, and and therein lies one of the the things. We don't get an R-rated comic book movie until Deadpool, right? 
Oh no. Oh no. No? Okay. No. Don't worry. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, you're right, Scott. Spawn is the one on this list that I I I'm I'm with you. I am boggled. My mind is to this day they're still trying to get another Spawn movie off the ground, which at this point is a reboot, uh, and, and they can't get it done. And I don't understand why. Spawn, especially in the '90s, was the comic book character. Forget Batman. Forget Superman. Forget whatever Marvel is doing. Spawn. You, you say '90s comic books. Spawn dominated. Oh, it did. Uh, yeah, and 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 anything from Image, you know, that's why we got like you know Savage Dragon cartoon shows and the Wildcats cartoon series, and like Image Comics was that like this is the bleeding edge of comic books. This is the the next generation of comic book creators, and and, and Spawn was the poster boy for it. And again, I think what killed this is the 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 studio wanted Batman, and we're not gonna let Spawn be Spawn. Um, there was, I believe, a late in the game decision to go to a lot of CGI for some of this stuff, and even in the in 1997, it was bad CGI. Yeah, um, it they, does not hold up well. No, no, and I think they they built a animatronic or a puppet for the devil, um, and, and then decided not to use it because they wanted to use CGI instead. His cape was full CGI, <laughs> which was an interesting decision. Um, well, well yeah. so and, and that's the thing, um, you know. So in the comic, if you read the comic, his cape always did these weird because the the, the artistic style of it, his cape yeah. was always in this. You know, you had these wide sweeping shots, you know, of him, you know, on a building, you know, or whatever, backdropped by the city with his cape doing all this weird stuff and everything. And then sometimes, you know, in one in one panel his mask would be on, and the next panel his mask is gone. And so reading the comic, I always had a problem. I'm like, why is this cape doing this weird stuff? Why is this mask on and then off? And then when I saw the movie and I saw it live action, I saw, in my opinion, what was Todd McFarlane's vision when he's when he's doing the panels. Like, oh, I see what's going on in the comics now. Yeah, the CGI was it was 90s. It was a bit wonky, but I liked it because it showed me this. I had never seen this before, and, and I enjoyed it. It, it kind of got a redemption. There's an HBO cartoon series Spawn that was much more what the comics were. Um, and look, I really still would love to see a proper Spawn uh, adaptation, whether it's a movie or a streaming series or what. I would love to see it because um, it did not really get to do. But uh, last one on the list, and I have to bring it up because it may be rock bottom for 90s comic book adaptations. It's a side character from a popular character made in a universe where we are not allowed to reference that main character at all because legal reasons. Uh, and we're going to set it all around a celebrity athlete really likes this character and wants to do it. Talking about Shaquille O'Neal in Steel. Oof. Uh, Oof. Yeah, this movie had so many problems. It, 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 it had a good intention. It went it went in with good intentions. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal is a decent Superman. He's a Superman fan. Like he Huge wanted Superman to, fan, yeah. Yeah. And it it it's it, it, their heart was in the right place, but like everything else around this just fell apart. Steel. Once again, <laughs> Scott cuts right to the chase of this. Yes. <laughs> it had good intentions, and that was it. 
That was it. There's uh, nothing else so about this that was good. Shaq can't act. No one else around him is doing any work to help. To it, It's this weird, goofy, wacky tone. It's a shoestring budget for a character that nowadays, sure, you can look at Iron Man and say, oh, okay, it's like Steel's like Iron Man. I can see that working. Okay, cool. Oh, and he's a Superman spinoff character, but we're not allowed to mention Superman at all? Oh, okay. Tough. Yeah. Tough sledding right there. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it just, uh, oh, boy. If you haven't seen it, don't you know no no you know what you know what watch this one i want you kids to know how bad it can really get so when you're out there bitching about ant-man and the wasp quantum mania not being good you can know what a real bad superhero adaptation looks like because that ain't it kids okay we had Shaq in in fucking renfair armor that's what we had in the 90s with a sledgehammer and we liked it. No, we didn't. We hated it. No, we didn't. But, <laughs> uh, but that's what I wanted. It. So, so thankfully, we end the decade on a much better note. And I'm just going to name drop a couple titles real quick. Uh, end of the 90s, we end with the actual first R-rated superhero comic book adaptation, Motherfucking Blade. Yes. Great some movie. Some motherfuckers are trying to ice skate uphill. Blade. Uh, yeah. And a gem that I debated putting on this list of failed franchises because it never got a franchise, but I fucking love this movie. 1999, we got Mystery Men. Mystery Men's a great movie. But it's only I a haven't great seen movie. that one. It's it's a great movie in the same reason that just about every uh just I say just about, not every, but just about every uh oh uh, what's his name? The main character in that. Uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, ben Stiller. Just about every Ben Stiller movie is great and good because of the supporting cast, not because of Ben Stiller. <laughs> in my opinion, he surrounds himself with great and talented actors and everything, mm-hmm. like like just to kind of cover up that he really can't hold anything. Yeah. Is is he the main character in that though? Yeah, yeah he's, he's Mr. Furious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I've never seen it, so I didn't know. I just know it was an ensemble group. Oh Look, yeah, that's one. Yeah. I, yeah, it's a it's a great movie. It is based on technically a comic book. Um, some of the characters are taken about little liberties with, but uh, look, it's a good ad. Uh, 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 it was ahead of its time. Had that movie come out like 15 years later and been a spoof of the superhero genre when the superhero genre was really up and running, I think it would have been huge. Uh, but when it came out in '99, those were the superhero movies we had leading up to that. Now, granted, yeah, there's some stuff in there I didn't mention. Uh, stuff like the Batman sequels and then Ninja Turtle sequels, and we got Men in Black in '97, which is a comic book. Uh, the Mask in '94, which is a comic book. The Crow also '94, a comic book. So the entire decade wasn't all terrible comic book adaptations, but they were more misses than hits. Well, the, yeah. the Crow, the Crow as an adaptation isn't really bad. I, it's not my cup of tea, but it suffered from the fact that, well, you know, the, the main actor gets killed in the middle of production. Yeah. Oh, they made sequels to The Crow, which is why it's they, not they, on this list. They did, but they came out later and they were very bad. They're all terrible, yes. Uh, but but because of the fact that it got sequels, I, I did not put it on the list. Same with Men in Black. Um, but we then, in 2000, we get uh, X-Men, and from there, it's history. Um, but that was the 90s of failed franchises. And um, Jay, I know... You had an idea of how to end this, and I think it's a good way to go out. So we're going to take one of these movies, and we're going to do how would we reboot it now? 
Jay, which one are we re- which one are we rebooting? Well, we can't reboot Judge Dredd because we already did that. Yeah, because uh, Carl fucking Urban already nailed that shit. Yes, he did. Um, go see Dredd because none of us did when it was in theaters. Uh, I don't know which one would you want to reboot, Scott? What do you think? What you got? Oh hell, um. I'm not gonna pitch a Rocketeer reboot because I've done that till I'm blue in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would. You know what? Would... Dick Tracy. How? Yeah, is Dick I, I Tracy? was gonna say I'm I'm up for trying to figure out how to if we were gonna if if we can rest if we can rest control from Warren Beatty and just let him fade off into the nothingness that is you know he's gonna do. Yeah. So uh, Warren Beatty's dead. Got it. And we've inherited the rights. We've, we have the rights have come back to whomever actually would like to do something with it, something good with it. You know, how would we redo it? Like for some reason, he bequeathed it to three nerds with a podcast. So he here did. we are. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I heard your all's podcast, and I know you love it as much as I do. Here, have fun. First, I I just want to throw this out there that um, what is it like? Imitation is the best form, form of flattery. Yeah. So what I would do, the first thing I would say is I would also want an all-star cast for this movie. I would. No. I, I am gonna. I'm gonna impose one rule for this movie. Yeah, uh, and it's one thing I think the the first one got right the first time around. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If we're gonna do these outlandish characters, we're doing them makeup. We're not doing CGI. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, every everything make up, and and personally, I'm still happy with the primary color palette. Is there some kind of weird love child between Dick Tracy and the film adaptation of Sin City? Yes. How that, do we do yes. that? That that would be awesome. <laughs> I, I would, don't quite know what that looks like, but it sounds good on paper. I don't know. First, first thing you need, first thing you need, in order to do Dick Tracy regardless if it's going to be streaming series or 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 movie which i would prefer streaming series because that's the thing now and i like it and i don't have to go to a theater to see it um but you need the right person for dick tracy to anchor this thing and apparently there's nobody else in the world that's available besides pedro pascal so because you know because there's him there's a i was I was gonna throw out John Hamm. I, I, oh my god, that would be an awesome casting, wouldn't it? Uh, I was just doing Pedro Pascal because of the whole Mandalorian. Yeah, sorry. There's, Pascal. there's no but, child he has to rescue in this okay, one. So, yeah. Well, there is in the movie. That's why I was curious. Yeah, they're right. That's right. There's the kid. They're right. <laughs> um, but yes, oh god, John Hamm as uh, as Dick Tracy. Yes, a thousand times. Yes, I would see that in a heartbeat. Okay. Uh, now that we have our leading man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're high. Did you have oh. something there? No, I no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I was no, trying I think to think of somebody besides John Hamm, but I was like, nah, I can't. So, I think yeah. streaming series is the way to go because you can do yes. it more episodic. Yeah. And, and not have to cram, not have to craft one story that fits in every villain, but you can th- rotate through your villains a bit. Um, but still have sort of an overarching plot thread to do with maybe. Uh, um, the blank um only you have to change who the blank is because people know now so well, i don't know, who, I don't know yeah. how you do it well and also i don't i don't think you need to you, do, you don't need to stick around with the blank you don't need to do that uh, i don't think uh big boy 
Caprice is because he's the kingpin yep. of, of, of the Dick Tracy world. So he needs to he needs to be treated like Kingpin was in uh, Hawkeye. Okay, yeah, you know, talked about in hushed tones, but uh, not exactly, seen very often. Exactly. You start with the, you, and you you literally you start with Dick, you know, Dick Tracy, uh, basically um, uh, uh, going after the small time stuff because he's trying to build up to the big thing. You know, he's okay. To, and, and everything. Uh, he knows it all adds up to Big Boy Caprice, but he but he doesn't know how. To try, yeah. yeah. So basically what you've got is is you've got John Hamm, you've got, you know, our colorful characters, but what you need for inspiration is you need uh the Kevin Costner untouchables mixed with the French connection. But all in primary colors. But all in primary colors. That's what you need. You need to start with the little ones, you need to work through you know, you, you, Big Boy gets revealed at the end of the first season. Going into the second season, that's when we start trying to take down Big Boy. You know, then you get your obligatory third season where Big Boy's in prison. And, you know, maybe Flat Top has, has vowed revenge or something. I don't know. But you Occasionally, know. he gets uh, help and assistance from uh, the blank. You run that mystery as to who it is. You know, then you've got the whole... And then, of course, you need you need your good test. Tests. Tests. You know, yep. to to play opposite of John Hamm, you need to have that that whole thing uh, and stuff. So that is, yeah, that is definitely the way. Bryce Dallas Howard is Tess Trueheart uh, with her natural hair color. I, I don't know her off. I don't know don't her, don't know her by name. What's her name again? Uh, I just said it. It's uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Thank you, God. My mind went blank as soon as yeah. I said it. Oh yeah, she'd make a good uh, uh, Tess Tess Trueheart. Definitely. And that's her natural hair color? Oh, hell yes. She's Opie's kid, so yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah, Ron Howard. I did not know that. But it's good her last name is Howard. Then. Yeah, right? Convenient. It is. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think if you're going to do... If you're going to do anything outside of the DC or Marvel Universe as far as a comic book goes these days... I honestly think that a streaming ser- like streaming is the way to go because I don't know. I just don't think you're going to be able to hold up against the quote unquote big boys. In, well, in and that's what feature length like releases to theaters. That's one thing I think did Tracy has and had had and has working for it is yes, it's based on a comic book. Ooh, excuse me. And it deals with crime fighting, but he's not a superhero. He doesn't yeah. even wear a mask. I mean, even like the 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 spirit is Dick Tracy. He just puts a mask on. He doesn't even have a mask. This, the, the, like Scott said, lean more into like gangster films, like The Untouchables and things like the you know The Godfather. Lean more into that, uh, but keep that comic book pulpy kind of like action and, and, and tongue and cheek kind of thing going to it. Uh, uh, and you won't be competing necessarily with with the big you know the MCU because you're going yeah, for a, a different tone, different audience. Uh, again, it's a comic book. He's fighting crime, but he is by no means a superhero. Uh, I think uh, that's you know what? Guy going for you. You know what, John? To hell with it. I say okay. reboot Tank Girl with um, Lori. Lori Petty. Petty, at, still as Tank Girl. Let's do. Well, it. now you have to do Margot Robbie or somebody. Now Lori Petty. Okay. Okay. Ooh, Lori Petty handing off the mantle of Tank Girl to um, 
Margot yeah, Robbie. I'm I'm so sick of a handing. Let's hand off the mantle stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and then we can have an origin story, Scott. And then we yeah. can have a team up. Oh. And it somehow involves the dead bodies of the Waynes, because yes, and uh, a cameo uh, from Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. And we pull back and reveal the whole thing is set on Mars. And that and their their favorite book is The Martian. Hey, like he's fine with the book. Everyone book. does that. <laughs> their favorite movie is The Martian. There, there you go. go. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Everybody does do that with me. I love the book The Martian. Great. So do I. Uh, so, yeah. So there's our half-assed pitch for how to reboot. But let us know what other 90s comic book movies failed to get a franchise uh were there any on the list you want to see us go more in depth to do you want to make us watch steel uh because we'll do it damn it if you'll listen to it um what other movies didn't get ones that you think deserved sequels if you could do any reboots of these and give them a second shot what would you do and how would you do it uh we could spend a whole lot more time on this because there's more we didn't talk about but there you go there's kind of our look at this weird section of history where we recognize comic book movies could be successful, but we weren't quite sure what to adapt or how to do it or what would actually work. So we failed a lot. Uh, these are the movies that crawled so the MCU could fly. Uh, and that's our show. Uh, so thank you for listening. And until next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert. I am the law.